0: Shock Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon FXBG Public Radio or its sponsors. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. Hello and welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the madman. I am the queen to the live aid that is Fredericksburg FXBG Public Radio. You are welcome. Thank you for listening. I have a lot to talk about today, despite my hangover, but we're going to go through it anyway. So the first thing I want to talk about is a show called Firefly. And I don't know if you if you watch this show, but I want to cover a few things because uh, what I want to say has a lot to do with the nature of the characters on the show. They're they're outlaws. These this group of people who uh there's this guy Malcolm Reynolds who owns a ship, and he has this crew of a bunch of different varied personalities of all running from the law in some, some form or another. And so he uh makes this crew <laughs> of a ragtag bunch of uh, misfits, if you will, outlaws, and um, they do jobs together. They're independent contractors, if you will, privateers in many ways, and so uh, you got you got some nefarious characters, and there's one character that's on the ship. His name is Jane Cobb. He's the roughest around the edges. He's most, uh, uh, I guess, bellicose of the bunch. He's uh, ready to fight. He's a you know, big bruiser kind of guy, and uh, <clears throat> there's one particular episode I want to talk about today of Firefly. And uh, if you haven't seen this series, it's excellent. And Joss Whedon deserves every cent that he has because the show is brilliant. It's a shame it only went one season, but um, it's a really good show. But the, the episode I want to talk about is Janestown. And in the, it's the, it's my second favorite episode. My first favorite episode is Out of Gas, but that's a different story. Um, The episode of Jane, Janestown has the ship coming to this uh this planet looking to buy mud. Right, and they use that for ceramics, use mud for ceramics and so forth in uh ship parts and so forth. So they're they're coming to this planet to buy mud. But Jane has been to this planet before, this particular colony before, called uh what was it, mud mud mudders? <laughs> mud Town or something like that. And uh Jane's been there before and so as they're going into town, he starts disguising himself. He wants to strap a gun to his hip. Uh not not to his hip, he wants it like to his body because guns aren't allowed there and he says like I definitely wanna have a gun and Mal tells them no guns at all. And finally, the whole crew works their way into the center of this town. And in the center of town <clears throat> is a big statue of Jane Cobb, made out of mud, obviously. And so, uh, you know, probably kiln-forged mud. So, But, I mean, it's, it's a statue of Jane Cobb. And everyone is very confused about why there is a statue in this town, including Jane Cobb. And throughout the uh, story, as they start integrating into the town, start talking to people and stuff like that, Jane starts getting noticed, people start recognizing him for who he is, and um, you find out through a song's position through a song in the, called "The Hero of Canton," which is a really good song. Um, it tells a story about how Jane Cobb, he went to steal money from the magistrate of this town, and he ran off of, like he and his partner, Stitch Hitchens, um, stole out like something like 75,000 or something like that, and they were running from the law. And in the course of running from the law, they're dumping everything out so they can, you know, lose some weight and gain, gain some ground away from the law. And so it finally comes down to just Jane, his partner, and the money, and Jane throws his partner out. His partner eventually gets captured and remains in prison there for years while Jane is off running, uh, uh, running around the universe. And so um, this money, it, uh, it, became to, it came to the point where he ended up having to dump the money anyway. And when he dumped the money, he dumped the money right into the center of the mud town, mud people town. And they ended up, like, keeping the money. The magistrate tried to come and get the money, and the town rioted. And after they rioted, they built the statue, and the magistrate tried to, you know, take the statue down, and they rioted it again. And so Jane Cobb became this, like, local folk hero in this little town because uh, they didn't really understand all the particulars of what happened and uh, what he was doing. So when they return to this town, when Jane returns to this town and they start celebrating Janetown and uh, uh, what they have, it, like a Jane's, Jane's Day <laughs> celebration where they want to celebrate him for being their hero. And um, they start treating him like a hero. You know, he gets women, he gets the best whiskey, you know, he, they, they treat him like a hero and he's loving it. He's loving it just as, you know, any selfish person would be. And so, um, but... You know, the magistrate of the town realizes that Jane's back in town. So he releases Stitch Hitchens from jail saying, don't you want to get revenge? And Stitch Hitchens uh, confronts Jane on this Janestown Day celebration that they are doing and after Jane makes a speech. And so Stitch eat. they have this argument about the job. You know, Stitch Hitchens explains exactly what happened and how uh, the money ended up falling on the town. And, um, And everyone in town heard this story. And they saw Jane and Stitch Hitchens fight it out. And Jane ended up killing Stitch. All right? After one of, the, one of these people who looked up to Jane ended up sacrificing himself, taking a shot for Jane. All right? Jane ends up killing Stitch. And he gets pissed off. And he turns to all these people. And he's like, listen, all of you. You think people just, somebody's going to just drop money on you? You know, to be a good guy? You think somebody's going to drop money that they can use on you? There ain't people like that. There's only people like me. And Jane pushes down the statue of himself. And I thought it was an excellent story in terms of uh, how Jane grew as a character in that episode. But it, it's also kind of a, an interesting take on the whole idea of statues. After, after they did their job and they made their money and Mal and the crew of the Firefly, named Serenity, uh, is leaving orbit. When they're leaving town, Jane and Mal have a conversation. And Jane is talking about it's like you know um, I can't believe that that one guy you know took a shot for me you know and he and I don't think one person, and Jane says I didn't think one person down there understood exactly what happened you know and and Mouse just like yeah yeah and he goes it goes uh, Jane says I bet they're putting that statue right back up as we speak and Mouse says yeah 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 probably and Jane is it's eating at him this whole situation is eating at him and he doesn't really understand because he's not the brightest character you know you know, a star in the sky, as it were, and it's eating at him. It's like why these people had elevated him to this position to make a statue of him. And Mal says something very interesting to him. Mal says, it Seems to me that everybody that's ever had a statue put up of them was some son of a bitch or another. It's not about you, Jane. It's about what they need. You know, and that's a very interesting take on it. And I wouldn't have ended it that way. I would have tried a more poetic entry. In in that it's not about you, it's about it's about them. You know, it's I get it, I get it. But the whole idea of the of, you know a statue is one son of a bitch or another. The people of Canton, the people that's the name of the town, Canton. The people of Canton, they put up this statue, not because Jane was a criminal, not because of what he did to his partner, not that he was a not that he was a a, a theft a thief. That's not why they put the statue up. They put the statue up because of how his his bad day turned into their good day. And so when people are like tearing down statues, of people like George Washington or Thomas Jefferson and people like that, when people are tearing down those kinds of statues, you have to understand that when those statues were made, they were never made to recognize the fact that George, George Washington or Thomas Jefferson were slave owners. That's not why the statues were made. The statues were made... Because that they came up with these ideals of the United States. Ideals that uh, people like Booker T. Washington uh, and, um, not the wrestler, Booker T. Washington and uh, uh, Frederick Douglass took white people to task on later in the United States. If this is what you mean in the terms of the Declaration of Independence in the Constitution, then it should apply to all people of all all races, you know? They, and that's the genius of Frederick Douglass in many ways is that he used the, the, the principles that our country was founded on to enact serious, uh, serious racial change in the United States. And so when you tear down a statue of Tom, Thomas Jefferson, you're not changing the ideals of the United States. Yes, he was a slave owner. But you know what? He banged his slaves. All right? I don't know if that's a uh, – he was clearly attracted to them. You know why? Because they're human beings, and human beings are attractive. And I've seen some super hot, super hot black women out there, and I'm sure you have too. All right? But that's beside the point. That's beside the point. The point is, is that these statues, they're not put up because of the evil things that people do. They're all one son of a bitch or another. Thomas Jefferson is a son of a bitch. George Washington was a son of a bitch. But there are some things they did that were good. We don't put up these statues because of the evil things that they do. You don't. The only countries that do that are like uh, Nazi Germany and uh, like Soviet Russia. <laughs> uh, you know, one of those other oligarchies. We put up the statues because they are heroes, and when um and heroes are imperfect, and if you've watched any superhero movie lately, a lot of a lot of the character development and conflict. In superhero movies is based upon the fact that these are flawed characters. P- anyone is a flawed character. The ideal of Superman, all right, for example, is, is kind of like a statue in many ways. is that it represents the ideal. But if Superman were a real person, real Kryptonian, living on our planet. He wouldn't be a perfect person. He would be a flawed individual. He'd be the Superman from Superman 3, flicking peanuts at the bar <laughs> into, the, into the liquor bottles and melting the mirror with his heat, rate, heat vision. What are you looking at? Ha! Huh? Drunk Superman's drunk! That kind of Superman. Even, even somebody like Superman would be a flawed person in real life. Your heroes, no matter who they are, are flawed characters, are flawed people. Now, my hero may be people like Brian May or Freddie Mercury or Roger Taylor. Sick drummer. Those may be my heroes. And yeah, John Deacon, bassist. And um, they may be my heroes, but I understand that they are flawed human beings. You can, admire, you can admire somebody despite their flaws. And I hope that you admire me despite mine. All right? I'm not saying you should build a statue of me. No. If you, if you put up a statue of me, I would knock it down. I'm not, I am not the kind of guy you should look, look up to. I'm more like Jane Cobb. I don't believe that there are people out there that are true idealistic heroes. However, every now and then, people stumble across a really good idea and promulgate it throughout human, humanity. And that how, is how Western culture has developed for hundreds of years. That's since the Enlightenment, somebody would have a good idea, they would write it down, and everybody could, could know it one day and that is how western culture d- develops. It's wonderful. But seriously, check out Firefly. It's a really good series. Uh, and uh I think there's every now and then you get a little a little life lesson in an episode or two. It's 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 a really good series. I check it check it out. Adam Baldwin plays Jane Cobb and uh I don't know. I've always liked him as an actor ever since uh, Full Metal Jacket. So I I hope you all had um Fun, A fun and safe July 4th. Hope you had fun. Um, if you're one of those people who went down to the lake to celebrate this past weekend, have you ever thought of how the fish might view our celebrations? You know your dog and cat. You know, they get pretty freaked out during the 4th. But imagine the perspective of the fish. All throughout that day, that one particular day, you have humans, you know, Jumping into your backyard. They're splashing around, they're peeing in the water. Wait, wait, they're fish. They don't care about that. They pee in the water. They fuck in the water. Anyway, so you got motorboats, you got jet skis, you got you got those little uh things that are shoot water like (laughs) jetpacks. You get all this crazy commotion going on above the surface. People jumping into your water, into your backyard. All day long. All day long. It must be terrifying from the fish's perspective. I mean, you've seen how humans will flinch when they think something's about to fall. If you see a guy in the outfield and the, the, the ball gets caught in the, in the catwalk or something like that, and he's like, eh, just flinching, expecting to come down. People will flinch like that when stuff, when they think something's going to fall on them. I wonder if the fish do something like that. And then, after all this commotion, it starts getting dark. It starts getting dark. The humans seem to back backed off. The temperatures get cooler, then all of a sudden, explosions, bursts of light above the water, streaks of fire, and one fish may turn to another and say, you know, Bubba, I think they're killing each other out there. Who knows? Maybe they'll wipe themselves out and none of us will go missing anymore. Then it all stops. All the human war seems to be over and a coating of ashes slowly dilutes into the water, and Bubba gets emphysema. Come July 5th, though, quote, anyone, <laughs> some one fish may say to another, anyone seen Bubba? <laughs> and the other will say, uh, he said, I'm hungry and swam off this morning, <clears throat> and nobody's seen him since. Well, he did have emphysema. Anyway, so I hope you had a happy and safe and fun, 4th of July. I sure did. I didn't go down the lake. Fish. Ugh. They're so gross. But every now and then, think of things from their perspective. Then again, you know, they their memory spans is like something like six seconds or something like that. So they'll forget about it. They have like no memory span. So I watched some movies over the weekend get caught up, and so I watched a couple of really bad ones, and so I want to talk to you about them. Um, One of the first ones I saw was a movie called Splice. Now, there's going to be some spoilers in here, so if you want to skip ahead, go ahead. And if you're one of these people who listens to my podcast at Double Speed, what the fuck is wrong with you? Anyway, the movie Splice. A little bit of spoilers. Stand warned. Um, It's a story. Splice is a story about the most irresponsible and unethical scientists ever. First of all, (coughs) excuse me, you have this Dr. Elsa Cast, who really wants to have children but has been brainwashed by modern feminism to believe that uh, it's feeding into the patriarchy to actually do so. You know how it is with these kind of women. You know, they'll say things like, uh, I'll never have a baby unless the man carries it and delivers it. But then, you know, they come home to their cats and they're like, what do they say? Mommy's home. One One of these women who is denying their natural urges. To have children, so that's that's one of the doctors that you have here who ends up who, who is like kind of banging this other doctor, Doctor Clive Nicoli, or as I like to call him, Adrian Brody as Adrian Brody as a scientist. Now I swear to God that Brody, Adrian Brody, is one of these actors that has conditions in his movie contracts that are ridiculous, such as I get to pick my wardrobe, looking at you, RDJ, or I must always look cool on screen. and so and then the producers will say something to adrian brody like um what exactly do you mean by looking cool mr brody what what exactly does does that entail to you and then adrian brody may answer you know i'm always wearing eclectic t-shirts and a wallet chain (laughs) and the producer says um but your character is a scientist and then brody answers up Fine, I'll wear a lab coat, but I'll have, like, foreign military patches sewed all over it. And the producer would say something like, What is this, 1997? Look, Adrian, I know Summer of Sam was a great movie. It was. But that was over 20 years ago. By the way, how the hell do you look the same now as you did in that movie? Are you a vampire? Anyway, to talk about the movie, these two scientists have a successful hybrid of animal DNA, and they are pushing hard for human trials, as if they never took an ethics class. The organization they work for says no to that because they are the ones who actually have to pay the lawyers. So they go behind their back, their organization's back, to splice human DNA into their mutant. Meanwhile, all the other scientists on their project have to do what their bosses asked in terms of like uh, uh, synthesizing a, a protein that they wanted to get. So, everyone else has to work on this problem without the two leads, without the two lead scientists, and everyone else has to do the the real work as they're playing with their mutant in their farm. Anyway, yeah, so the two lead scientists are gone, they're playing with their rabbit-slash-human-slash-butterfly hybrid abomination, and then they act surprised when their project falls short. Okay, worst scientists ever. So, apparently, the story seems to be about the dangers of intellect and the tendency of intellect to fall in love with its own creations. Also, it's about the dangers of splicing human DNA into animal DNA. I'm going to get a little taboo here, but that's not my fault. The movie went there. The film went there. I'm just talking about it. Okay, once you start splicing human DNA, (laughs) okay... All right, there, let me put it this way. There's already deranged people on this planet who already have sex with regular animals. You start, you start splicing human DNA into animals, you're going to have a whole lot more of that. Okay? So, <clears throat> you know, and it'll, it'll start happening a lot more. I mean, every, you know, a lot of people will fall for that. Even Adrian Brody can fall for it. And that's definitely not cool, Adrian. So, Splice. I think it came out in 2009. I give it 7 of 13 stars. It made me think a bit. Fair play to the writers. It made me think. But, and there were three or four real good laughs uh, in the movie based solely on the character's stupidity and or wardrobe. Uh, I certainly know that the sound designers seemed to have fun when they made that movie. So, but I would recommend you watch a better sci-fi movie instead, like Spaceballs. So I watched a newer movie after that. I was like, there's got to be a better movie out here. I was wrong. And I watched another movie. It's a newer movie called Mercy Black. <sighs> Mercy Black. It's out on Netflix right now. And it is a horrible, 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 horrible movie. If I were a woman, I would be so offended by this movie because every single female character is either crazy, a bitch, or stupid. Stupid okay? I don't want to go into a lot of detail on this movie. It's silly. It's absurd, okay? I will say this. Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, they were human. They became supernatural killers, okay? Supernatural monsters are never, never made with hair ribbons, paper mache, and the twisted wishes of little girls. Mercy Black, two of 13 stars, don't bother. Watch 90 minutes of Slenderman videos on YouTube instead. Same subject matter, far more entertaining. All right, so uh, let's get caught up in the mailbag. It's been a couple months. A month or two since I did the mailbag. <clears throat> so if you want to be featured in the mailbag in a future episode, all you have to do is email me at, madman at fxbgpr.com. And uh, if gen- most people are requesting that they don't want... want want their email addresses put out there and I can respect that. So generally I won't put your email address out there or, you know, uh, anything if, unless you specifically request it. So in general, I'm just not going to give your email addresses anymore. A lot of people, they complained if you don't want, yeah, if you want, if you want me to like throw your, you know, <laughs> throw you, throw you some, some props from my show. Absolutely. But you know, in general, I'm just going to say, yeah, I'm not going to give your email address. So, um, my first, my first, uh, email is just all in caps. It's four words. It says, quit picking your nose. What the fuck are you talking about? Don't you know anything? When I, when, when I pick this right nostril, that means I love you, Dad. When I pick this left nostril, this means I love you, niece. When I scratch my chin like this, that's means I love you, sister. And when I pull my ear like this, that means I love you, Mom. Do you kids even know who Carol Burnett is? Okay, let's go to this next email. You're trying to tell me to steal third. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you, UK t- e. said. It. I was like, no, no, don't steal third. <laughs> this catcher's got an arm. <laughs> okay, uh, let's let's go to this next email. Um, it says a lot, but I'm, I summarized it. It's um it says quit being so, generally quit being so serious. You go into these politics and you know uh, social issues a lot and. And says, "Quit being so serious, and instead focus on the funny. Go back to being funny." And I, sorry, I'm I'm truly sorry if that you if you tuned into the show looking for laughs. I hope you get some here and there because I I generally have to look at uh, a reality through a funny filter just so I can get through it because we live in serious times, and I try to make jest of uh, even serious topics because that's the only way you can uh, get through it or deal with the terror. Uh, the terrifying concepts that we face in this world. So sometimes you got to laugh, and that's why I think rape jokes jokes can be funny, because sometimes you know you gotta you gotta laugh through the pain, man. Anyway, but you do have a a very good point. Maybe I should go back to trying to, in, in, uh, what's the word? Uh, assimilate more humor into my podcast. I will take that into consideration, Mister Anonymous. Uh, the last email here is like madman you uh you drink, you smoke, you swear, you take the Lord's name in vain. How can you claim to be a Christian? That's a tough one. That is a, that's a good question. It's a fair question. Um I love beer. There is that. I don't think that God is going to send me to hell um over words I used. I just I don't I don't think that that's the case. I really, I really think that uh, judgment is based upon um, your acts, the things that you do. I claim to be a Christian because I believe in the ideals of Christ. I believe it's, it's, it's very much like Superman. Superman is an ideal to strive for, or even Batman is an ideal. Let's, let's do Batman as a, as a metaphor. Batman is the pinnacle of human uh, economic wealth the pinnacle of human physical ability, and the pinnacle of uh, human intellectual ability. All three of those things. And there's not many people out there who have all three of those things. So Batman, in many ways, is just as unattainable a life as Superman. Okay? And so we all fall short of this ideal. In fact, I even think I read somewhere in the Bible, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Absolutely. You should strive for that Batman ideal. And if Batman came in the room and he's just like, You drink too much beer. You're too fat. How do you expect to be my sidekick? It's like, how would you know I wanted to be Robin? I'm the world's greatest detective. I saw your Nightwing videos on YouTube. <laughs> I thought they were hilarious. You're cool, Batman. Can I be the new Robin? Uh, Tim's, uh, I don't think he's ever going to quit. Is Tim Drake still the Robin? I got the Damien Wayne asshole. Ugh, God, I hate that kid. Ugh, I hate Damian Wayne. Anyway, I know it's not very Christian of me to hate on Damian Wayne, but Damian Wayne is a fictional character. And you may think that, you know, God, Jesus are fictional characters. But if you don't, if you don't want to believe that they are real, um, think of them as ideals. Ideals to strive for. You know, blessed are the Greek. Blessed are the cheesemakers. Wait, I got that wrong. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. It's things like that. Try to make peace. Try to be meek. These ideals are, are wonderful things to strive for. But I don't think God is going to say, "Sorry, you can't get into heaven." You said you dropped the GD one, one too many times. You said, "Motherfucker," one too many times. I don't think that. If there... <laughs> I just wonder if you like get to heaven. If there's going to be the censor thing. That's like if you try to swear in heaven. There's going to be like. <laughs> Cotton balls, you know, and that's the closest you can get to a swear. It's like cotton balls, you know, who knows? It's like, you try to swear in heaven, you get censored. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think, I think God believes, believes in the first amendment. (laughs) And you know what? The best thing about uh, not being God, such as someone like myself and someone like you, is that you have no right to judge anybody. So thank you for your email. And if you want to email me, you can email me at madman at fxbgpr.com. And maybe I'll feature you in a future mailbag. Otherwise, I'm going to continue talking to myself. Anyway, let's get into the, the news. worth going. I'm on it. Okay, EK's on it. I'm going to need a fresh one here. Hmm. Did you see the stinger? Did you see the stinger for the News Worth knowing? Because we're getting into the News Worth knowing. Let's talk about Terry Crews. I talked about him a couple weeks after I saw that movie, um, John Henry, which I highly recommend as well. Uh, Terry Crews, and I I had a lot of good things to say about that movie, John Henry, and you should watch it. It's it's pretty good. It's like a comic book movie in many ways. Um, But this is something different (laughs) that happened with Terry Crews. Um, CNN's Don Lemon scolds. Terry Crews says Black Lives Matter is, not, is about pro- police brutality, not black-on-black violence. So it's like, I think that kind of covers both of those things, man. Anyway, let's go to the article. CNN host Don Lemon lectured actor Terry Crews on Monday night about the meaning of, black, of the Black Lives Matter movement, insisting during the, in, an intense conversation that it's about police brutality and has nothing to do with black-on-black gun violence. Cruz had come under fire for recent tweets noting that he wants to unite people, regardless of race, creed, or ideology, saying that he doesn't want the Black Lives Matter movement to morph into Black Lives Better. Kind of an interesting take on it, and what an evil man for (laughs) trying to unite people, regardless of race race, or creed, ideology. Horrible, horrible person, this Terry Cruz guy. Anyway, Cruz told Lemon that he was issuing a warning that Black Lives Matter might be going too far as leaders have made demands and threatened violence if they don't get what they want. Quote, black lives do matter, but when you're talking about an organization, you're talking about the leaders. You're talking about the people who are responsible. Cruz said, as Lemon interrupted to say, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was once seen as extreme. You should see this uh, interaction between them because Don Lemon is such a dick, such a colossal dick during this exchange. They're talking over each other. And I've seen this happen when somebody's on a Zoom call or something like that, and you have the, you're have you in studio, you can, you can walk all over somebody. If, there's like, if there are people Zoom calling into my show right now, I could step all over them because I have the mic in the studio right here. All right, And that's what Don Lemon did to Terry Crews in this interview, is that because he was on a Zoom call, and the priority of the uh, audio circuit of, of Don Lemon's mic is a higher priority than the Zoom call, plus it's a Zoom call, so it's a lower quality audio, so because I have the mic in the studio, I can walk over anybody who calls into me via Zoom. And you cannot call into me. You cannot call into this show via Zoom. Anyway, Don Lemon then scolded Cruz, telling him the movement isn't about black-on-black crime. Quote, the Black Lives Matter movement was started because it was take, uh, talking about police brutality. If you want an all-Black all Lives Matter movement that talks about gun violence in communities, including black communities, then start that movement, movement Lemon told the Brooklyn Nine-Nine Star. Now that's interesting. Is that um, Don Lemon kind of gave him an opening here? Says if you want to talk about how guns are evil, we can talk about that. <laughs> and it's like the guns are the problems, not black people murdering black people in Chicago and New York. No, it's the guns. Anyway, quote that is not what Black Lives Matter is about. It is. Uh, it is not an all-encompassing. If someone started a movement that said cancer matter. And cancer matters. And when someone came out and said, why aren't you talking about HIV? It is not the same thing. We're talking about cancer. Oh, my God. This guy's hes so stupid. That's a horrible metaphor. Anyway, quote, so the Black Lives Matter movement is about police brutality and injustice in that manner, not about what's happening in black neighborhoods. There are people who are working on that issue. If you want uh, to start that issue, why don't you start it? (laughs) Why don't you use the Black Lives Matter? Anyway, Lemon then asked, do you understand what I'm saying? And this is what Cruz said. is like, when you look at an organization, police, police brutality is not the only thing they're talking about. I agree that it's not what Black Lives... Uh, oh, wait, this is... Uh, I'm sorry, this is Don Lemon speaking. I agree that it's not what Black Lives Matter movement is about, Terry. Black Lives Matter is about police brutality and about criminal justice, Lemon insisted. It's not about what happens to, in communities when it comes to crime. People who live near each other, black people kill each other. Same as whites. It happens every single, in every single neighborhood. As Cruz tried to tried to respond the CNN quit, host quickly cut him off and the segment was over. <sighs> anyway, you should go check out this um they're talking about like all the background of the, you know the statues coming down, America's got what? Yeah. Black Lives Matter and so forth. It's um It's a shame. It's a shame that um that I can't be the person to tell somebody like Don Lemon how he's wrong. For some reason, he would only be able to listen to somebody like Terry Crews because he's racist. I'm just another white guy ranting on the Internet. And that is completely valueless to many, many people. Look at my views. Okay? And I understand that. But Terry Crews is the kind of guy you can respect. I've seen him in interviews. I've seen the, the movies he makes like John Henry. He seems like a real squared away guy. Seems like he's got his head together. All right? And I think that, they, you know, when, when people like Terry Crews come up and saying it's like, hey, we need to start looking at this objectively and not just thinking about the issue is, is, is a, abolishing the police, defunding the police. First of all, that's the wrong move. Second of all, you know, if you're worried about black people dying, people, you know, they're killing each other. It's this culture of gang violence that goes on in many communities, not just the black community, in many communities. Where it's a culture of gang violence, where it's always got to be tit for tat, you can't get out. You know, these gangs take over the neighborhoods because the cops don't patrol them. Because liberal politicians in the cities, like, don't go to those, those neighborhoods. You need to be honest. You need to be objective. And being objective means, like, ignoring things like race. I'm mad. I don't know. I just, I work myself up. Work myself up into a tizzy. As white people would say. Let's talk about white people in Australia. Australia man fends off venomous snake with a knife and seatbelt while driving on the highway. <laughs> Fuck Australia, man. Everything there is evolved to kill you. An Australian man fought off one of the world's deadliest snakes with only a knife and a seat belt after the serpent coiled around his leg while driving on the highway, authorities said. Queensland police pulled over the 27-year-old man speeding at 76 miles an hour or 123 kilometers per hour. Wow. On Dawson Highway at around 5 p.m. local time on June 15th, police said in a statement on Tuesday, the driver, identified only as Jimmy, claimed a brown snake had slithered its way through his truck's gear shift and attacked him. Oh, my God. Quote, I'm driving along at about 100 kilometers an hour and it just started to break. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll stop. I get emails from Australian people just like, stop doing that. <laughs> it hurts my ears when you do that. I'm driving along at 100 kilometers an hour and I started to break. I just started to break. And the more I move my legs, it started to wrap around me. Its head started striking at the driver's seat, the chair between my legs. Ooh. Ooh. Scary. <laughs> Police. Uh, Jimmy told police he used a knife and a seatbelt to kill the eastern brown snake, which is one of the world's deadliest, before speeding to the nearest hospital. Hospital. He appeared in a state of shock, telling the officer he feared for his life and wasn't sure whether the snake bit him. I think it has bitten me. It was in the car with me, he can be heard saying in the police video released Tuesday. You can feel my heart, mate. (laughs) Sorry, it's a reflex. Uh, the police found the dead snake in the back of Jimmy's truck. did <laughs> you just throw it in, there. in Case they need it in case they need it for any of them, I'll just throw it in the back of the truck. I imagine like there's like Australian redneck accents. Anyway, um <laughs> The officer found the dead snake at the back of Jimmy's truck and called for help from his uh, and called for help from his patrol car. Quote although although the traffic officer had heard his fair share of excuses for speeding, he soon realized this was just, not just another colorful tale, and promptly sought medical assistance. Well, he had the evidence in the truck. I imagine he threw the snake in the back because, he's like, if I get pulled over, we'll speed into the hospital. You know, I, at least I got proof. And Anovenom if I need it. Anyway, paramedics arrived soon after and determined that while Jimmy had not been bitten, he was suffering from shock. <laughs> it was pretty terrifying, Jimmy said after the ordeal. I've never been so happy to see red and blue lights. Yeah, imagine. Yeah, imagine. That thing was striking at, like, the seat in between your legs. Oh, my adrenaline would be going, like, crazy. I yeah. I'd just let go. Yeah. I'd piss. <laughs> in said he'd be like, I'd piss on the snake. It would make him angry. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, why'd it have to be snakes? Why'd it have to be snakes? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Ugh. Spiders scare me. I used to be, like, super scared of spiders. But um, I kind of got over it. The only time they really scare me now is, like, when you're surprised by them. And I'm kind of the same way with snakes. I've always been, I'm not really scared of snakes, but when I'm surprised by them, yeah. I mean, I was sitting there, uh, I remember, like, years ago, I was at home and I was playing, like, video games on my PlayStation. And I'm just sitting there, you know, minding my own business, playing some Grand Theft Auto or whatever like that. And all of a sudden, this spider just comes down, lands right on my cheek. Surprised me, (laughs) to say the least. And that's when I freaked out. But if I'm if I'm like moving stuff around in my bathroom, I see a spider. It's like, oh, spider. Try to get it out as humanely as possible. Until he starts running, and I might lose him. Then I kill him. All right. But if you if you come down from the ceiling and land on my face, I'm sorry, spider. I think you're just asking for it. You're just you're a suicidal spider. Ooh, I think that might be the show title, suicidal spider. Let's go to the next story. Woman returns home after lockdown to discover strange potato growth. <laughs> a woman returned to her home In Cannes, France after, um, after being gone for three months During mandatory lockdown Due to the coronavirus pandemic To discover her potatoes had sprouted vines Spanning three feet in the kitchen <laughs> You should see these pics Donna Poiré Forgive me if I mispronounced it 22 years old Who fled her apartment in March To stay with her boyfriend during the quarantine Abandoned a roughly $3 bag of potatoes You think she's pregnant now? I, I bet she's pregnant. Anyway, she abandoned a roughly three dollar bag of potatoes and a uh, moved that ended up spawning a very strange and very scary sight once she returned in June, the son reported. Excuse me. Quote, as I open the front door, I can't do French accents, though. So. As I open the front door I surrender. As I open the front door, <laughs> I surrender. <laughs> Sorry, France. You you've got to have had, you've had to've heard that joke a ton of times though. As I open the front door, but she's a girl. Anyway, as I opened the front door, I noticed a strange shape in the back of the kitchen. I thought it was Mercy Black. No. She said to the son, uh, as the light was off and the shutters were down, I didn't realize it was the potatoes. It was only after opening the shutters that I took note of this extraordinary sight. I was terrified at first, but after realizing it was a plant and well, it was not going to hurt you. <laughs> after realizing what it was, I laughed a lot and shared a video of the plant on Snapchat. Après 3, après mon d'Absi. am fucking French. Poray shared the tweet, shared in a tweet the potato shoots had made holes in the joints of her kitchen's countertop. That's what's interesting about plants and even tubers is that uh the way that they'll grow and they'll probe out weak points and they'll burrow through things like that like stone. <laughs> you know? They're t- they're tenacious, aren't they? Anyway, um after hours of handling the mutant spud, eh, it's that's what they do. It's not necessarily a mutation. Uh, The woman was able to to pare down the roots to a more manageable size. (laughs) You might have to repaint, too. Um, Those on Twitter were equally shocked by the development. I don't know if I find it beautiful. This is a quote. I don't know if I find it beautiful or if I'm scared, but damn, it's super impressive, a translation of the tweet said. Uh, Quote, imagine if you come home in the middle of the night and you turn on the light in the corridor in the dark and you see what's on that wall. But... (laughs) Potatoes. It looks like fucking veins coming out of the wall. Yeah, it does. You looking at the article? Yeah. Yeah, it's gross. It's scary. It's it's Mercy Black in the corner. I'm telling you. Those damn wishes girls make. Quote, imagine you come home in the middle of the night. Okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. Several believe the potatoes have earned their right to keep... <laughs> earn their keep after the rampant growth. No, they didn't. <laughs> fucking vegans. Uh, quote, at this point, give them your keys and move. <laughs> One joke. <laughs> their apartment is yours. It's their apartment now, plus... Plus yours, another. That's a bad translation. I get fiber. Their apartment now, comma plus yours, comma another tweeted. That's a bad translation right there. Google Translate. Poor Ray didn't end up keeping the sprouted potatoes which she planted in her vegetable patch. She revealed. Yeah. Quote: I'm eager to see what will come. What will come out of the ground? Probably. Potatoes don't come out of the ground. There's probably going to be sprouts coming out of the ground. Idiot. Just saw them grow. They grew in your house, anyway. <laughs> Giving people a hard time. You don't know how potatoes potato. Let's go to the next story. Massive fish pulls two Florida anglers off a boat into the water during a struggle to reel it in. <laughs> One for the fish. Where's that two for the fish? That's two for the fish. Yeah. Some fish really know how to put up a fight. A birthday fishing trip in Cape Coral, Florida, resulted in an angler not j- <laughs> not just reeling in a possible catch of a lifetime, but also a really great story. Unfortunately, the struggle did leave two men soaking wet. Fox News spoke to Ben Chancy, a captain of, of captain with Chew on his charters. Hold on a second. A captain with Chew on his char- chew on this charters. That's a horrible name for a charter boat company. Sorry, guys. A captain with chew on this charter's who was hired to take the group on a surprising fish surprise fishing trip. Mike, who was celebrating his 30th birthday, had been told he was going to a matinee sightseeing trip. The trip had been planned by Eric, a soldier who fought in Afghanistan, and his girlfriend Jenny, a registered nurse. Lots of information there isn't relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and according to Chancy, Mike hooked hit a, a massive grouper fish that had been spotted in an ultra clear water. It was it's really blue water that they pulled him out, out in. It's really nice. It. Makes me miss the Navy in many ways. <laughs> According to the captain, Mike appeared to have, uh, be doing a good job with the fish, so Chancey let him try to reel it in on his own. Quote, after about 10 seconds of fighting the giant fish on his own, he was pulled down, pulled down to the gunwale and lift, <laughs> lifted overboard by the giant fish, Chancey said. When he went over, he grabbed the side of the boat, and, <laughs> and then he had the rod pulled out of his hand, and the rod was lost. Amazingly, Jenny spotted the rod about 20 minutes later on the bottom of the crystal clear 40-foot deep water. Oh, huh. so beautiful. They initially planned on swimming down to grab the rod, but they lucked out and hooked it with the boat's anchor. <laughs> they then noticed that the grouper was still attached to the line. <laughs> Footage from the trip was uploaded to Chew on this YouTube channel. Go watch this video. It's kind of hilarious. Quote, we transferred the rod to Eric so Mike could jump in and grab uh Get a great pick with this catch. Chanty explained. Damn it. Ads. Damn ads. While Eric was holding uh, the rod, the fish made a mad dash for the bottom again, launching Eric overboard with the rod and reel. (laughs) Eric eventually released the lever drag while hanging onto the side of the boat so he can get the rod from him. So I can get the rod from him. I took the rod and re-landed the Goliath grouper while Eric threw his phone and keys in the boat because they were wet from being pulled overboard. Bowl of rice in that phone's future. Uh, Chansey told Fox News that he was that this was the first time he saw two men get pulled into a water by the same fish weighing in at 450 pounds. The captain described it as an upper echelon catch. According to him, when the group pulled in the ma- pulled massive fish in, several boats had gathered around to watch and offered a round of applause. Uh, this is a great story. This is a great fishing story. 450 pounds. That's the thing about when you throw something in the water, especially in the ocean. You know, you could be like a, these guys are like maybe 170 pound men, 180, 100, maybe men. But when you're outweighed by a 450 pound grouper, you have no way of knowing the weight of whatever it is that's on your hook. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love a good fight. I love a good fight when fishing. And so um, this is a very good fishing story. And from the video, I mean, it just looks, uh, it just looks beautiful. It looks beautiful, and um, even if, like, Chew on This Charters is, like, the best charter there in a Cape, what is it, Cape Coral, Florida? Port Coral? Cape Coral, Florida. I had it right. I don't know. I don't think I would, I would get into it because of the, the name alone. That's a Chew on This Charters. You know, it, it should roll off the tongue. It shouldn't be a tongue twister. You know, if you start a business, it shouldn't, shouldn't be a tongue twister. FXBG Public Radio. FXBG public Radio. That's not a tongue twister. Okay. We're, we're, we're good. We're good. We don't have to change the name. Right. We've got two more stories here. I like to keep it upbeat towards the end. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Tennessee Rescue Dog alerts owner to a house fire next door. saves sleeping family. Rescue Dog in Tennessee became a 4th of July hero after alerting her owner to a house fire next door and saving... A family asleep inside. R-O-U-X. Rue? Rue. Rue, a three-year-old Belgian Malinois? Yeah. That looks French to me. Malinois? Malnois? Was barking frantically and unusually at the front door of owner Jeff LaCate's home in Franklin. Where did this happen? Tennessee? Yeah, a French (laughs) name, French, French town. Welcome to Little Paris, Tennessee. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so Jeff LaCate's home in Franklin, about 21 miles north of Nashville, late Saturday night, the fire department press release said. While LaCates opened the door to investigate, Rue bolted outside. LaCates followed and saw his family, his neighbor's home on fire. LaCates pounded on their door, waking the family of three still inside. They escaped with their pets unharmed. Locates used his garden hose to fight the flames until firefighters mm. arrived. What a good neighbor. He's like a state farm. Franklin Fire Marshal Andy King said consumer fireworks, which are illegal in Franklin, sparked a fire. Mm. Bummer. I bet he got a citation. Damn. Uh, video evidence showed that the fire began on the exterior of the home at about 10.20pm uh, after an... About an hour after the homeowner threw out fireworks in his trash and other combustible materials, King said, oh my god, don't you people know you need to put them in a bucket of water? Fire caused an ex- estimated $50,000 in damages, according to release, the release. In a twist of fate, Rue and LaCate would, would never have found each other if not for the woman who lives in the home that caught fire. She is a dog groomer, and the reason why LaCate do- adopted Rue 15 months earlier uh and it's the reason why uh, they do- they adopted the dog fifteen months earlier. She knew Rue uh, was a similar breed to Lucate's German Shepherd that had died. She helped Lucate adopt Rue, who needed a good home. Oh, good dog! That's a good dog. I'm I'm looking at the picture. Sorry, Look, at a good dog. Spit all over the dog. Quote dog. Don't you love dogs? i not they like the bestest? I'd say the the best. You know, um, Scott Wharton and I were talking about Twilight Zone episodes, and he was talking talked uh, talked talk on Facebook about the hunt, the Twilight Zone episode, The Hunt, about a guy and his dog. and He was talking about it on Facebook, and I read it, and I was just like, man, I haven't thought about that episode in so long, and I got a little misty-eyed, and I just... I'm not crying, you're crying. I, I love my dog. I miss my dog. I do, I miss my dog. Anyway, I don't want to get another one though, because I don't want some asshole out on the streets are yelling at me. Oh, don't let your dog shit there. You gotta pick up your dog shit. And it's like, you pick up my dog shit. Pick up shit. Change my diaper. Anyway, that's a good insult to say to another adult. If you're an adult and you say change my diaper to another human, another adult, well, uh, that's great. That's a great insult. <laughs> I can't take credit for that, though. If you, if you do use that, and you have, to, you have to credit Gavin McInnes. Change my diaper. I think he got it from one of his kids. I think his son said it to him. Change my diaper. <laughs> anyway, last story. We may end early. Who knows? Uh, Tennessee Church donates $1,000 to each member of the local uh, police department in, wake, in the wake of defund movement. Hundreds attended an Independence Day ceremony hosted by a church in Jonesboro, Tennessee, honoring the local police department in the wake of protests to defund and, in some case, abolish law enforcement altogether. Lighthouse Missionary Baptist Church made a, quote, bold statement of support by giving $1,000 to every member of the town's police department, totaling $23,000. Small town. The Christian Post reports. Quote, we at Lighthouse believe enough is enough, Pastor Perry uh, Cleek said in his decision to support law enforcement on the courthouse steps in downtown Jonesboro on July 4th. Quote, it's past time for the silent majority of Americans who do not approve of lawlessness and anarchy in the streets, who do not support any movement that calls for the murder of police officers, who are willing to condemn those who loot and vandalize and destroy both public and private property to stand tall and firm and let our voice be heard the Baptist pastor added. Police Chief Ron Street and his employees were honored by the pastor. Quote, I have every confidence in Chief Ron Street that he would never tolerate an abusive, racist, unprofessional officer, Cleek said. Yeah, and there's probably tons of people like that. Tons and tons. A large majority of police officers like that. I guarantee it. Quote, Chief Street Chief, Street, and all of the personnel of the Jonesboro Police Department, all 23 of them, you have our appreciation, our encouragement, our support. And our church wants to show that with more than words. And then he pulled out a guitar, and they played more than words by Extreme. No, no, it's... A, it's no, he handed $1,000 checks to every employee. I got that way wrong. He handed $1,000 of checks to every employee at the Jonesboro Department of Public Safety. Quote, we are very appreciated... Appreciative of the citizen and church support, Uh, Street told Fox News. With everything that's going on in in the country, defunding and everything, it's nice to have your your citizens behind you and supporting the work we do in the community. Here, we found the opposite of that. We've been supported. Uh, The police-related death of George Floyd on May 25th sparked the uh, calls to defund the police departments across the country. On Sunday during his sermon, Cleek noted uh, Floyd's death quote brought a rare moment. Of national unity it was a, Yes, it was a rare moment Rare and brief moment of national unity You're right um, He called it wrong, obviously And saying that, quote, that, that never should have happened And the ones responsible for that should face the full justice of the law And they're currently in the process of doing that By the way But you still need to write He added, quote, too bad it was seized upon by those who have never seemed to miss an opportunity To criticize and try to harm America The pastor pointed uh, to a passage in from Romans as their response to recent events. "Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good." I like you know the last story to be upbeat and so forth. It's um, yeah, it's interesting. You You know, I'm not into like Pauline principles. I'm a lot of people like Paul. I consider him to be a spy. <laughs> he was a spy. He's like, oh, I'm blind. Oh, yeah, I totally believe you now. Yeah, I'm on your side. <laughs> if you know about Paul, you know, just writing letters to the Romans. Uh, it's it's like later in the Bible, and I don't really like the uh, Paul's Paul's letters to the Corinthians. I don't like any like. I'm not I'm not a big fan of Paul. I'm more of a fan of Jesus in the Old Testament. You know, I'm 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 more of a Walter Sobchak and a little bit of the dude. Not so much a Donnie. Anyway, hey, I like to end on those positive stories. You know, you know, blue lives matter, cops matter, and we need them on the streets, we need them out there doing their jobs so that people stop getting killed. You know, I know I noticed over the weekend that there are kids killed in some of these lawless areas of this country, and I that particularly incenses me. Incense? incensed me? I don't know if I'm using that correctly. I, it's a shame that any—I mean—anyone dying is a tragedy, obviously. But you know, when kids start dying, that—that that really, really hits hits hard, and that hits hard to anybody with a conscience, if you ask me. And I don't like that. I don't like the fact that you know, some anybody dies because somebody failed to support law and order. All right, you can't give rioters room to riot and think that they—they're going to ha- be happy with it. Granted, the entire like uh, Chaz Chop thing and a lot of these uh, pro-quote. Let's let's call them rioters. Let's, these rioters, they 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 don't have any focus. They like, we want to start a revolution. And they're like, okay, what are you gonna do? Um, make a garden, I guess. You know, it's a revolution with no <laughs> no agenda. You know, so obviously it's not going to go anywhere. So I, I can kind of understand. It's like let let these idiot kids blow off some steam. I can understand that. But it, you know, once they start turning your city to shit, you know, time to bring the cops in. To bring those uh those tanks with the water cannons down to wash all the homeless people and dirt down in the sewers where they belong. All right, not, not, not forgive me, I didn't I don't mean homeless people belong in the sewers. But you definitely need to wash it down. You know, you need to clean up your cities, starting with the crime, and then you know, you can start working on getting the graffiti off the walls from these spoiled children with no agenda in the middle of a revolution that they have no idea where you know what to do with it. Anyway, God bl- blessed are the cheesemakers. Excuse me. Blessed are the peacemakers. Life of Brian. That's where I came from. Life of Brian. Now I <laughs> I know I'm screwing that up. Oh my lord. So anyway, um, I I want to encourage you. It's like I, I did a bunch of posts last night on Facebook. I hope you l- liked them or saw them. Um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to start doing that more on Facebook over at Shock Monkey Radio Redux on Facebook. I'm gonna try to start writing in there more so you know can keep you entertained during the week in between shows. Uh, as best as I can, because, you know, I get like six, seven beers in me, and you know, I'll just start typing like crazy. I wrote, I wrote three books like that. If you go over on Amazon.com, you can search for Scott L. Robbins with two T's and two B's, and you can find my books. I got the Exit 13 uh, three-book series. Um, I got the Ravings of a Madman book, and I got the The Bunny Years, a memoir, a story about a, uh, a novel about a superhero. And, yeah, you can go check those out. And So I'm a writer, and that's what writers do. You know, They drink and they write. And so it's, um, you can go check those out. Um, I, I'm asking you to go over to YouTube, be, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Search for Shock Monkey Radio on YouTube. Subscribe to my channel. Like, share, and share it with your friends. If you find something, he's like, dude, have you ever thought about Nightwing's ass? This dude, you won't believe how much this dude has thought about Nightwing's <laughs> ass. And I swear to God, he's straight. He's straighter than Bo Burnham. Fine. Go ahead. Show your friends. Show your friends your favorite videos of Shock Monkey Radio. Shock Monkey Radio on YouTube. Please like, share, and subscribe. Um, also, if you feel so inclined, please go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. You can get access to all of our video content and some special stuff that I put behind the paywall. Just for you patrons out there, you are welcome. You can also advertise with, on this show using Patreon, so go over there. You can also become like an advertiser with FXBG Public Radio, the station as a whole, at patreoncom slash Radio and you can support us, or you could, you're, uh, well, if you don't want to support me, you can support the station as a whole. And um, if you're interested in making having your own show on FXBG Public Radio, it's very, it's very easy, very, very little effort on your part. All you got to do is sit here and rant at a microphone and camera, just like I'm doing right now. That's all. There are tons of, you know those people, you know those people who talk all the time, like the Scarecrow and the Wizard of Oz, like, blah, 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 blah. And if you don't have a brain, how's your mouth working? How are you upright? Okay? You're doing all this clumsy stuff, and it's like, oh, I'm a goofy Scarecrow. You, there's, there's some brain in there. Let's be honest. There's some brain in there. Anyway, we can go on a, a Wizard of Oz Conspiracy Theories some other time. This has been Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the madman, and I love you.